0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show, episode 105. We are here as always in my living room. I'm in my robe doing the pink satin with the ostrich feather cuffs. I have some more robes that I just took out of my long hanging closet. I will be donning in the coming weeks. Fact of the day ketchup was once used as medicine. In the 1830s, doctors thought that ketchup would um cure jaundice, indigestion, diarrhea. They even put it in pill form to make it more legit. Um, newsflash didn't work. Uh yeah, not 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 a fan. Now I, I wonder, I don't know though, when when people realized it, it's more of a condiment as opposed to a medicinal substance. Um, yeah. I don't know. And did you know, by the way, a long time ago, like a long, long time ago, the British people, they had different versions of ketchup, walnut ketchup, uh, mushroom ketchup. And I will say, I think I told you, when my ex-husband went to St. Lucia, by the way, stayed at the Viceroy, supposedly chef's kiss fabulous. I would love to stay there, but the cottages are like $2,500 a night. I'm sure his girlfriend was paying. But anyway... They brought me back banana ketchup. They have a banana ketchup apparently in St. Lucia. It's a thing and I didn't use it yet. I don't know why. They said it was delicious. I think because I don't want to relish. Okay. I don't want to relish in deliciousness that 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 he that he was relishing in with his lady friend. You know what I'm saying? By the way, on the ketchup note, did you know? I didn't even know this. Someone said to me recently that they they um Heinz had a campaign like, I don't know, 10 years ago where they, they came out with hot colored ketchup. It was like hot blue ketchup, hot pink ketchup, you know, for kids. And I, I don't know why, like what, why? I mean, are kids today having problems eating ketchup because my kids like everything, ketchup on everything. Like if I give them chicken nuggets and French fries and it doesn't have the ketchup, the red ketchup, they will go crazy. I mean, I think if I put hot green ketchup, I, I don't think that, they would want it so much. And I like, like years ago, I feel like when I first started the podcast, I probably told you, I made my daughters green eggs and ham just to be cute from the Dr. Seuss book and putting a plate of green eggs in front of my kid that my, my oldest daughter that already loved eggs, it it was horrifying. She wouldn't even touch them. She, she, so I can't, why, why do colored ketchup? Why fix something that's not broken? Right. People. Oh my God, I finished Downton Abbey, six seasons, just watched the finale last night. Oh, it was so good. Honestly, it's like the best show. You just have to watch it. You know, and I did it in reverse. You know, I started with the Gilded Age and then I did Downton Abbey after. And it's the same guy, the the guy who wrote, I think it's Julian Fellows. He wrote uh, both shows and he wrote the Gilded Age after Downton, obviously. And, um, you know, and Gilded is about America, Downton, the UK and it's amazing, and I finished it at the perfect time because I am leaving in um, well soon, not like in a day or two, but I'm going to the UK. You know, I'm going. Uh, we, I should say, my boyfriend and I were going on a uh, English countryside nature walk, walking holiday. We're going to the Cotswolds. We're going to London. This, of course, was my idea, is inspired by Downton Abbey. And also because like you gotta have a zest for life people. I mean, I told, you know, the guy, the guy is older. Okay. It's like, what are you going to do? You're just going to go nowhere. You're going to see, you're going to see nothing. Like you're just going to be fine doing your day in and day out. If you're not going to live the life it live life, what the hell is the point? So that's what we're doing people, you know, and I, of course I told my friends and they were like, really? Like you're going to the UK out of all places you could go on vacation. You're going to England. And yeah, why not? I mean, first of all, I got amazing, amazingly cheap flights. Second of all, um, he's only been there, I think once or twice. I've gone a million times, but it's fun. Everybody speaks the language, you know, kind of, um, you know, it's pretty accessible and, you know, it's it's just like we'll fly into London, do a couple nights in London, get the get a car, and drive through the countryside and just go for a walk. Like that—that's literally what the whole thing is. Of course, I'll be doing videos while I'm there. I'm I I hope we're gonna have a normal experience, but I have a feeling it might be a little bit of you know my cousin vinny ish. Anyway, next up on my TV talk on my uh my my TV talk list is the offer. Have you watched it? Everybody said it's amazing. My sister watched it. She said it was so good. It's on the list. It's coming up next. I'm going to do the Downton Abbey uh, movies. I think that there's, I know there's one definitely that came out now, but I don't know if there's another one, but I'm doing the Downton Abbey movies, then uh, the offer and Maggie Smith, you know, she was in Downton Abbey. She played uh, the the sort of like the old grand uh, queen type. She, I think she's not really a queen in Downton. But anyway, Maggie Smith, I absolutely love her. British actress in her late 80s. Someone told me that she plays a homeless woman, like a beggar, in a, a movie that came out a few years ago. I don't know the name of the movie, but I am going to watch it because I, I, after, I fell in love with her all over again after watching Downton. And she plays such this grand dame of the character and I can't wait to see her play this sort of homeless um, beggar type in this movie to see her range because it's just a ama- you. Know, let me tell you something. It's just amazing. I told. Did I tell you? Did we talk about that? I read. I did that. That 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 radio reading for the play um, for Queens College at Metropolitan Miracles. It was called, or it is called. I did. I talk to you after that or before? I can't even remember. But you know what? It's we talk like friends. So anyway. It was amazing, and you know, I sat next to Bobby Finero, you know, from The Sopranos. I Shirley MacLaine's daughter was there. Sachi Parker, just so many great Mike Funk, just all these great actors, and they to see their range was incredible, going from sad to happy, pausing when to take beats. It was completely inspiring, and uh, so I can't wait to watch the Maggie Smith thing. Okay, on the TV talk and movie note, Happy Tribeca Film Festival time. Hello. One of my favorite things to do in Manhattan, by the way, I've been going to Tribeca. I don't know, for the last uh, 12, 13 years, with the exception of the last couple of years, because of the pandemic, I don't know what made me get into it. I mean, besides the fact that it's like a huge like event in New York, you know, it's De Niro, De Niro founded it. It's his thing. Um, I don't come from a family, like I mean, my mother wasn't like, my mother's not artsy. You know, my mother wasn't like, oh, it's Tribeca. Let's go see the indie films. Like my mother's not like that. And she doesn't even talk like that. She wasn't like, it's Tribeca Film Festival. Let's go see the, you know, I don't know. I just, I've been living in the city. I I love the arts. I was going every year. I used to do this great thing. They don't really do it anymore. I used to buy um, tickets. They, I had like, when it first, I think like yeah, maybe 12 years ago, I used to buy like, uh, like an all day pass kind of thing. And I would just go from, movies oh, just like just just like four movies back to back my ex-husband and I before we were married we didn't even like sitting in a movie theater for like eight hours all day but it was just fun because you know after the movie the directors the actors are there they get up on a stage or they get up in the front they sit down they do a Q&A it's so great so I did buy some tickets for this year um, the Chelsea Hotel documentary uh, inside the Chelsea Hotel. I actually realized that I booked it for the same day as my daughter's birthday party. Aunt Mom fail. So I need to like ugh, rebuy those tickets. But the uh, the Chelsea hotel documentary is at Tribeca. I can't like, I, I have to be able to get another ticket for that because I cannot wait. I'm hoping that it's a documentary about the people that are still living there and all the crazy stories. And I don't know if I told you, but uh, years ago, you know, I worked at um, a fashion uh, publishing house and there was a hairdresser that did a lot of the um, models and, and just, I don't know, runway shows. And I became friendly with him and he lives in the Chelsea hotel cuts hair there. You could look him up. His name is Gerald or Gerard. I think it's Gerald Dukak. Look up Dukak, D-U-C-O-C-K, uh, Hairdresser and Chelsea Hotel, and you'll see it and it'll come up. His house is so effing crazy. It's like rainbow colors and all this kind of stuff. And he has his bed and his couch and just like a uh, his hairstyling chair in the middle of the big apartment in front of a big mirror. And he cut my hair and it was so cool. I mean, I was like young, I don't know, maybe it was like 25, but I was like, oh my God. I, I just felt like I was in the coolest, most craziest place and like almost I wasn't allowed to be there kind of thing you know because the cause Chelsea Hotel is next door to Gotham Comedy Club they've had scaffolding up for the last 14 goddamn years and I don't know what I think the hotel has been sold like three or four times like I don't know what's going on with the hotel but I'm almost positive that my old hairdresser's, hairdresser address still lives there um so I'm dying to see this documentary I think it's going to be like all that all the stories all the goodness I also got a uh, ticket for the movie Bowery. Now you, I watched this one at home and I, so I, I missed the, you know, you don't do the, you don't see the talks and, and with, you know, all that after, but you can watch this one at home if you want. Uh, I think you just go on the Tribeca Film Festival website, but Bowery, um, it, all this movie was a documentary about the homeless people living on the Bowery they started filming it in 2020. The cool thing about this film is that uh, it started, I think they started actually filming in winter of 2019. And as film production went on, uh, you saw what it was like down on the Bowery and downtown in March, April, 2020, just as the pandemic started. I haven't really seen any movies about the pandemic, um, except for obviously, well, not movies, but news footage and and social media stuff. But there was a camera crew, you know, interviewing and and following these uh, homeless people around. And so you do get to see the city when it was desolate. So it's definitely worth a watch. Um, I thought the movie was really great it was missing a little backstory. Like I wanted to hear a, a more about the uh, people themselves, like why, you know, why, how they they are in the situation that they're in. But I don't think that was the point of the movie. I think the point of the documentary was literally literally just to be like a slice of life. So- it's worth it, uh, worth a watch. Bowery, if you're interested in that kind of thing, and you know, I ha- I, I watch. By the way, you know, I'm like a documentary. Like I'm obsessed with documentaries. I've been always, you know, since I probably, you know, to be honest, probably since I started uh, going to Tribeca Film Festival all those years ago. But um, there's other Bowery documentaries that are good. The Sunshine Hotel. I think I spoke to you guys about that. That was good. That talks about the Bowery uh, flop houses that are almost non-existent anymore. These are the hotels, um, the hotels that, uh, the homeless hotels, you know, and they're not, they don't really exist anymore. The the sunshine hotel was maybe one of the last ones. And then there was a, there's another documentary that's very good about the Bowery. And that's about the, uh, what is it? Germania bank, the bank that's on the corner. I think it's of like, Bowery and Elizabeth. I don't know. I used to work right around the corner, but, uh, where the people lived inside it. And I don't, the guy who lived inside it, photographer, artist, I don't remember the name of that one, but it's worth it. Okay. The last movie that I got, which I know you're going to love is called, uh, I think it's somewhere in Queens. This is Ray Romano's movie. My boy, Sebastian's in it. Um, I am seeing it on, I think it's, Friday the 19th is not either the 18th I don't know I'm seeing it at the Friday night it's like six, six o'clock showing I'm pretty sure Ray Romano is going to be there after answering questions talking about the movie if he's not I don't care that's not why I'm seeing it that movie is just about a family in uh, Queens a family living in Queens I that that's like that's probably my favorite one Queen's moving, then probably uh, Chelsea Hotel is going to be is would be my second favorite. And then Bowery, the third. I know Sebastian plays Ray's brother because I know when he was in New York filming it. Mm. So you can't watch that one online, I'm pretty sure. So you got to you got to like go. But oh, it's just the best. The Tribeca Film Festival is the absolute best in New York. And on New York City, median rent, okay, median rent has gone up because as if real estate's not ridiculous everywhere. $4,000 a month for a one bedroom. Can you imagine? $4,000 for a one bedroom. You know, there's this popular uh, management company that does luxury rentals. Their name is Glenwood. They do luxury rentals in the city. They've been around forever. They always take out the big full page ads in the Times and, you know, wherever, Wall Street Journal. I know it's always like a picture of a big fancy apartment building with a circular driveway. And they have the the rent prices at the bottom. And I remember literally like a year ago, a year ago maybe, I don't know. And it said one bedrooms averaging 3,200 a month, you know, two bedrooms, I don't know, 55, whatever it was. Still outrageous for rent, your monthly rent. But this is New York. It's notoriously hard to make it with the housing, blah, blah. But $4,000 a month for a one bedroom? I mean, oh my God. I swear to God, if I could give any advice to young people right out of college or in college, and you have, if you have the luxury to stay home, stay the hell home, get a job and save your freaking money, squirrel away your money so you could put a damn down payment down, buy a place. And pay your mortgage and pay your maintenance or pay whatever. Because when you want to move out of there, at least you could sell it and you'll get something back. You know, some people are like, well, I don't want to buy. I don't want to buy because it's not going to be my forever home. It's not going to be my permanent home. What if I get married? What if I have a kid? It's like, are you crazy? So you're going to go piss your money away on rent for 10 years? Please. I, I, this is coming from me, who's older ish just don't, don't make the same mistakes I made, but, but just, and everybody would agree with that. If you can, just save your fucking money. And you know what? Here's, a, here's the thing. I was talking to somebody recently and they were like, well, I would do that and have some money saved, but I don't look how, by the way, if you're watching this on video, the, 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 the arm to my microphone is so big. It's like cutting into my face. Anyway, I was talking to somebody recently and they were like, well, I did save down payment. Everything's so expensive, uh, at least, but I I don't want to buy a studio apartment, like and that's all I can afford. And I was like, who who cares? Who cares if you live in a studio? Is that not like the? Does that not sound so fun? I lived in studios. I lived in studios all throughout my twenties, practically. Well, not all through. A lot of my twenties. Who freaking cares if you're living in a studio? I think it's amazing. Buy your own studio. Set it up like a hotel room. Could you think of anything better in New York? You go outside. You live the New York life. You do your thing, and then you come home to your hotel room. Ah, a hotel room. You don't have to bring a luggage to Oh my god, it sounds amazing. I read something horrific. Well, my accent's me, you know. Pool. A mother is suing TikTok, or she put a lawsuit out with TikTok because her ten-year-old daughter died from doing a TikTok challenge, and the challenge was, can you hold your breath? Um, like something about like a hold your breath challenge. I don't even know what the the f this challenges, but apparently it was like a who can hold the breath the longest, and the daughter died. She did it, and she died. This, I'm not going to get on a soapbox. You already know, but I, I I don't I don't know what the answer is here. What is the answer? You can't keep kids off social media. Look, I know that that everybody's like, oh well, you got to restrict the kids' internet. You gotta you you gotta do you gotta restrict this. You gotta not let them on. So you can't you can't. You know what this is like. Every generation has this. It's like you know, in the 1950s, you know, these porno magazines come out of 60, whatever. You know, and the, the parents they want to keep these little porno magazines away, hustler, whatever, playboy. And what do you think the little boys did? They went with all their friends, they got together for their little play dates and they and they would sneak and you know, and, and look at the, the dirty pictures. Same thing with the TV, same thing with you know the, the VCRs and all that. Oh my god, how ancient is that VCRs? my kids don't even know what a vcr is. Practically nobody knows what a vcr is anymore, but anyway. So what are you going to do? You're going to keep the kid off the internet? You're going to keep them off social media? You can't. I don't know. I just but but we got we talked about this a long time ago, but you know, TikTok is a platform. Even if it was a media company, you can only police so much when you have user-generated content, which is people like me or you go on and we could do videos and say and post pictures and do whatever the hell we want. And when it's distributed to the, the the whole world, you can't police people on what they say and do. So if some sick psychopath wants to do a TikTok challenge and tell kids to hold their damn breath, I don't know. There are going to be children that do it. And 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 the only thing I guess we could do in this world as parents is just teach our kids, make them vigilant. Honestly, I I I, I got to be honest with you. Between this and then something else I just read, I, I mean, like I'm, I, I feel like I'm kind of like done. I um, oh, I wasn't even gonna say it because it's so it's so fucking sick, but I will say it because like it's not even sick. It's like my stomach. I, I'm like I feel dead on the inside. To be honest, this morning, I so I I um read Quora. You know Quora. You know Quora. It's like Reddit. Q U Q no yeah, Q U, O R A, Quora. All these, again, user-generated content. Somebody asks a question, random people answer it. Whatever. For whatever reason, I get these roundup digests of questions and answers. And, you know, and, and I'm signed up to some of them. Medical things, psychological things, comedy th- whatever. I don't know why. Okay. I don't know why. But this morning I get one of these Quora digest emails and honestly trigger warning turn your volume off if you don't want to fucking hear this because it's horrific the the email has like 10 10 questions and and you know and then these answers and you can click to read more so i click to read more and a question pops up on quora and it says um as a surgeon what is he posting this question to, to for whoever to answer as a surgeon I'm curious to know what were the worst surgeries you ever had to do in your career? Okay. That was the question. I click on it. I'm reading it. First answer gets like 5 million likes because it's horrifying. And it says that I am a, the, 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 and the guy who answers or girl who answers says she, he is a, um, an OBGYN, you know, surgeon and, uh, had to perform surgery to repair a little girl's bladder and urethra and uh, uterus because of abuse that her father and his friend had caused her. And I couldn't even fucking handle this. I was like, oh my God, what a, what a living monster. And that's all. That's all. So I I feel that on the inside right now, just to let you know. I got to move on from this because I I got to get, I had to just say it to get it out. But you want to know what? I would go to jail for my entire fucking life. I, I don't even think I would be able to live if that, oh my God, this poor, I mean, this poor child. I, this, you know what? That, that, that poor angel baby was born into a, was born into a devil family. Okay. That, that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond. Okay. um, we, 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 I have to move on from this. Okay, I, here's the thing. I, I feel like I I want to wallpaper my kitchen, okay? This is a terrible segue to this topic, but I can't talk about a comedy show, my comedy show with Vic D. Benetetto. I can't. So let's talk about the wallpaper, okay? I You know, I renovated this 100-year-old apartment. It's absolutely stunning. I love it. I did my, my, the, my kitchen is white, white gold, uh, white, white, black and white and gold. That's my kitchen. I have blue and yellow curtains, whatever but I feel like I want to do some wallpaper. I don't have tons of wall space in my kitchen, but I thought, wouldn't it be nice to do lemons or vines or you know something? Not like palm fronds, not like Indochine. By the way, great restaurant on Lafayette. It's been open for like 20 years. You should go. But so I found this uh, lady on Etsy who does this beautiful kitchen wallpaper. It's the vinyl wallpaper. You know, so you, I'm, I'm doing the thing with my hand, you know, so you could wipe it. Because I need to be able, it has to be wipeable. I have young kids. It has to be white. Well, I cook. I would also wallpaper up an area that's close-ish to the stove. And we all know when you're doing the garlic and the sauce and it splatters everywhere. So, okay. So, um, I found this lady on Etsy. She does this really cool wallpaper and it's, 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 green, beautiful leaves. Like it's like very Tuscan looking and then lemons. And, and it's cool. It's like, there's more lemons at the bottom. And then as you know, the, the wallpaper goes up high to the top, it gets like less and less lemons. It's just, it's very cute. It's very Tuscan. It's real looking. I shouldn't say it's cute. It's very, it's, it feels very elegante. You know what I'm saying? I love it. So I was tempted just to order like some wallpaper because again, it's not giant space in my kitchen. Uh, I just need a couple rolls. I was, It wasn't that expensive. I mean, really, like it wasn't that expensive at all for a roll. So it's like, oh, you know, let me order a couple rolls. I decide, let me just, you know what? Instead of doing that and throwing away money, let me get a sample from this lady. Sample of the wallpaper comes. Oh my God, it's not nice. Here's the thing. I, 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 and this is like PSA. If you're going to buy wallpaper from like an Etsy, get the freaking sample, okay? Because... Because this came, and it's very nice in theory, the lemons and the green, the yellow lemons, and the green leaves and the vines, and it's all very t- under the Tuscan sun, and I love it. But the lemons have these little tiny black dots all over them, and it's freaking me out. It's like a visual phobia. I don't want to see lemons with black dots. I want to see beautiful, yellow, plump lemons on the wall. No good. And that's what happens, by the way, when you buy cheap wallpaper. Now. My favorite wallpaper, which I I will only have if I am a bazillionaire, which, you know, well, I'm not going to say never. Let's not say never around here, okay? De Gournay does hand-painted chinoiserie wallpaper Completely different than lemons. Completely inappropriate for kitchen. DeGourney wallpaper. It's beautiful for the foyer, for the hallway. If you want to do one wall in your, your sitting room. Oh my God, it's absolutely delicious. I love it. Scalamandre, they also do beautiful wallpaper, but DeGourney hand-painted. Whatever. Scalamandre, I think it's a print. But here I have the newspaper in front of me. How funny is sometimes things just pop up when you're right in the market for them. I In the New York Times design section... There are a couple of wallpapers that are featured on this page. I'm holding it up. They're all very springy, fruity, flowery, one with monkeys, bamboo. Oh, I love it. You know, pink and green, all that kind of thing. Um, The wallpapers come from wallpaperdirect.com. Okay. Okay. That sounds like I could maybe, it will maybe be affordable. Um, And then the other one, uh, the website is James Dunlap Textiles. So that's what I'm doing. I Because here's the thing. 20 years ago, or maybe even now still, I don't know. You go to the paint store, you get the books out. Remember that? I don't know about you, but I remember being a kid. My mother dragged me to like the paint stores. Benjamin Moore, Sears, Pergamon. I'd be bored out of my mind, and I would just go around collecting all these multicolored paint chips, and then I would get out the wallpaper books and I would just you know be furiously paging flap by flap by flap for what? I don't know. And all the wallpapers were hideous. They were all like you know gray striped with splatter paints or paisley or I don't even know. But uh, and they were all called like you know, interior design studio. <laughs> And they were horrible. But I don't even know if people do wallpaper books anymore, do they? So I need, if, by the way, so if you have a website, here's really the thing. If you have a website that you've bought wallpaper from and it's gorgeous, let me know. I am <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I want something busy. And, and I like busy. I like that chintzy. I like, like chintz. I like like busy, toile, chinoiserie. But for the kitchen, I think I'm looking for fruits. Because, you know, it's the happy place. Um, <clears throat> so let me know. Okay. My Vic show. Fabulous. Featured for Vicky, but it's this past weekend at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick. Uh, featured in stand-up comedy means that you, that's like, that's a great, that's great. That's great. You ha- headline is you're when you're the main act. Feature is when you're doing 20 minutes in the, right before the main act. That's like, if you're, if you're me, you want a feature. I mean, listen, you want a headline, but you know, you want a feature. Because the thing is, some people go right into headlining. Some comics uh, meaning well, let me let me rewind. There are people like me who have been doing stand-up comedy for six years. We have stages that we take. You start, you go to the mics, you grind it out, you do all your writing, and that never stops. Maybe the mics stop, but you do your shows, you do your little spots, your little things around the sitting. And then, if you're lucky, you get to go on the road. You get to open for somebody. If you're very lucky, you get to feature for somebody. That's you running 20 minutes of tight material that you've been working on for, for a long, long time. And, and of course, you know, the holy grail is that you get such a fan base and you get so popular that you get to headline. And when people go buy tickets, they're buying tickets for Elise DeLucci, period. And then, whoever would feature or open for me, Bubba. That's the holy grail. But you need. here's the thing you can have all the, and and let me say the online world changed the game for the comics, right? Because now you can have all these online followers and then a manager can call you up or a club can call you up and say, Hey, why don't you come and headline? And it's amazing, right? How awesome is that? If that's what you want to do and you just got a club calling you and ask you to headline, well, yeah, you just hit the jackpot. But the problem is, is if you're a social media person, you might've never held a microphone before. You don't even know how to write a bit. And even though it, see, you know, us comics, we think like in bits, we think like in seconds where, you know, you want to laugh every 10, 11, 13, 15 seconds. You want laugh if the laugh, if that's what you want. It has to be tight, taking out words, changing a word, the order of words. It's so important. Sometimes comedy writing is not so much about the, uh, writing the new bits and coming up with the ideas as it is about the editing. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, social media people might be giant online, but they might've never been a comic before. They might've stepped on the stage. But for me, I am a social media person. Yes, but I was a comic first. I am always, a, am co- still a comedian. I'm on stage all the time. So to get asked by Vic Bettetto to come feature with him was just such an honor. Thank you, Vic. I mm, love you. More importantly, let me tell you something. More importantly, that the crowd at Stress Factory in in New Brunswick was fabulous. It was like, first of all, four sold-out shows. Let me say that. Four sold-out shows. Friday and Saturday night. Everybody showed up at this club to have a freaking good time no cocky people no stuck up people everybody just sit down have a drink with their friends their family to laugh that's the best kind of crowd okay the best the worst is when you're doing like these corporate things this, and everybody's uptight or you know scared to laugh this was this is a, it was a jersey italian crowd that vic has the best fans i swear to god i swear to god i'm not I, i'm not i'm not just saying this he has the best fans as out of everybody I've worked for and with to date and, and my own experiences, he has the best fans. I'm not going to lie. I also think I have the best fans, but I don't have as many as Vic. I mean, look, you know, I headline Soul Joel's out in Pennsylvania. I have people come and they brought, they would bring me pizza. I mean, we know the sisters, my sister fans in Long Island, you girls, I know you're listening. I love you. One of them made me a shirt. I mean, can you imagine she went to the Gap? She bought a leopard shirt in a size medium. She's doing the Cricut, cricket, whatever the hell it is, the thing from Michaels where you put the logos on it. She made an Elise DeLucci Show logo for me. I mean, can you, I have the best fans, but Vic has the best fans, but he has a ton of them. So when you walked in this room, all you felt was just that energy. Oh, man. And it was so fun. And I'm so appreciative of him. Uh, and Vinnie Brandt, who owns Stress Factory, was also really cool. Just, you know, the only thing I would say, the show ran a little late, but who cares? Everybody was having the best time. Nobody gave a shit that the show was running late. Right? The show must go on. I just had a great time, so I can't express my appreciation and gratitude enough. And it's not only to perform. Let me just say, it wasn't only amazing to perform in front of like the super uh, amazing crowd and because I like to be on stage and get a. I got to really work on the bits that I, I I've been working on for so long in front of my people. You know what I'm saying? And I learned a lot. I did a lot of editing after the whole weekend was over. I, I was like, okay, I need to do more of this, less of this. And Vic, Vic is a pro. Now let me just say this to Okay. About Vic Benedetto, because Someone said to me, and they could go fuck themselves. Someone said to me, oh, I don't know who. He said, can you imagine? He said, I don't know who Vic is. You don't know who Vic is? What are you, sleeping under a goddamn rock? Get the hell out of my face. Okay, that's what I had to say. Get the hell out of my face. Vic has been doing stand-up for 30 years. And um, and he, like a lot of us, but he was really one of the pioneers of doing these online videos, right? Like, and I think it was like, I don't know, back in like 2012, 11, something like that. He goes on YouTube and he starts doing these, crazy comedic videos, you know, and um, he does the bread and milk video, you know, where it's snowing and you got to go out, you got to get the bread and the milk and hurry up and it's snowing. And the video hilarious because there's no snow on the ground. There's no snow coming down. He's just in the car. It's like, it's like spring and he's screaming about getting the bread and milk, right? I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but what happened to him was he was doing stand up for 30 years, grinding it out trying to make it, making people laugh, building his fan base. And he comes out and he starts doing these videos and he does bread and milk. And then one day, this is the story he told me this weekend. He told it to me for himself. I just, so I didn't like read it anywhere. So so I didn't tell you this version if I told it to you. So uh, one day his phone's ringing and his and, and it's an unknown number. And he's like, "Oh, I, I don't listen to, I don't, I don't answer these calls. I don't answer these calls. But something told me to pick up the phone. He picks up the phone. And the guy's like, hey, Vic, how you doing? And Vic's like, who the hell is this? And it's Kevin James, Kevin James from the King of Queens. And Kevin James says, Vic, we've been doing stand-up for decades. I know you. I know you know me. We had we ran in the same circles. We never really been close. I watched your bread and milk video. And I want to offer you a role in my movie, More Cop. And that was it. And once Vic did More Cop, his world changed he was able to leave his full-time job and he does stand-up and he's tours all over the place and he's this amazing headliner and that's the end of that. That's the story. The best part though I love about Vic is he's from Brooklyn, Staten Island, lives in Manalpa, New Jersey. It's the Italian-American diaspora, but he was a truck driver. He drove the dump truck, the cement truck. He was the bus driver for Pioneer. And I just love him. He's just down to earth, regular guy, just... Just so good and funny, funny. My mother, and you know, my mother, first of all, my mother came to the show. I was shocked. My mother came with my Aunt Camille. Okay. My my Aunt Camille is so lovely, she's such she's a fan. She's like, tells me, Elise, your videos, like they, they, you know, when you first started them, they were good, blah, blah. But now, I mean, they got so much better. I mean, she's so supportive. And saying that stuff just helps me continue, right? So she's telling me all this stuff, and she called my mother and said, do you want to go see Elise in New Jersey? And my mother's like, yeah. So they went. And I'm so surprised that my mother came because she doesn't come to my show. I don't need her to come to every show. I, I don't care that she doesn't come. I prefer it that way. I don't need to be nervous on stage. But, uh, you know, and after I was in Naples, Florida, and I did Off the Hook, and the next day after I got off the stage, my grandmother's like, I don't know why you do that. You're an embarrassment to the family. And I'm like, okay, just because you're uncomfortable with yourself, leave, leave me now alone. But they had a great time, and my mother, out of all people, she was laughing. Whatever she thought, I was great. She thought Vic was just hilarious, and that's just it. I gotta say, if you have an opportunity to see him, do it. Do yourself a favor. He's he's a little dirty, you know. He's a little raunchy, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm. Okay, product of the day for ladies. Sorry, guys. I was dying for a pair of palazzo pants. Had nowhere to buy them. By the way, I feel like that sounds like an ad, right? Like if, if I was on the radio, haha, I am on the radio. Isn't that funny? Well, podcast radio, but wait, I, this is how this these ads starts. These these podcast ads, they're like, they're like, if I was dying for a pair of pants. And then I logged into pants.com. <laughs> no, but I was, I was dying for a pair of Palazzo pants. This sweet lady that I don't know. We're friends on Facebook. I don't know why. I guess she's a fan. Her name is Denise. Same name as my mother. And uh, she had these amazing Palazzo pants on. So I still have picture and I I commented, I was like, oh my God, where'd you get your pants? And she's like, Nordstrom Rack. And I was like, oh, AK, I'll never find them again. Unicorn in a sea of racks. Great. So I'm Googling Palazzo pants on Amazon and I found, I have it in front of me. The brand is Arolina, A-R-O-L-I-N-A, Arolina Palazzo Pants. They're 22 bucks. I got them in a size medium in black, wide leg with pockets. Oh my God. Well, they're back pockets. They have front pockets. I can't remember. Very comfortable. I showed my nanny. She sent asked me to send her the link so she could buy a pair. You know, I'm just moving products over here on Amazon. It's just what I do. But the thing is, is that here's the only thing. The only thing, because there's always, there's always a little something, right? There's always, a, there's always one little thing that's wrong. Like, the, the, I actually think I can't, I can never be satisfied with 100%. I need to change that about myself. But the fabric is great. It's not like that cheap, like almost where there's you could see the weave of the poly. It's not like that. You know, the fabric is nice, but it's not like the best fabric. And what do you expect for $22? But they are comfortable like sweatpants. You know what I would like? I would like if there was like maybe a modal, you know, that that kind of stretchy fabric. A lot of the gap body stuff is not that I would like modal stretch pants that like, don't like warp or tra- or fade. Or I would almost like modal with a little shine to it, palazzos. I wore them uh, in my daughter's uh, recital pictures. So you can see them. I have posted a picture of my daughter's broadway dance recital you could see them there but they're, they're very cute they're very chic with a pair of flip-flops and a black tank i love that look i also like that they're not tight i'm always wearing leggings i don't want to wear i just wanted something loose i just wish that like they were a, more of a breathable fabric that like, i don't need my vagina smelling i mean and, and it doesn't okay newsflash it never does but that's the thing with the synthetic fabrics you know what i'm saying and I like linen pants. Let me just say, I like linen pants, but they grow. I mean, you buy linen pants in a size three. Next thing you know, they're a four queen. Like, I can't live with that kind of shit. Okay, that's it. I think for today, I feel like we covered a lot. Uh, quote of the day is by Mary Shelley: "The beginning is always the today." The, 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 I just I, the the today. What like the beginning is always today by Mary Shelley. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you to Maria for trying to find my podcast on Spotify and for trying to rate it or comment or something. I got to figure that shit out. But thank you, everybody. It's always a pleasure. I can't wait to talk to you next week. And I can't wait to continue to tell you all about comedy and my upcoming English walking vacation. I'm Elise DeLucci. You're my favorite. Talk to you soon. What's okay.